Happy Fourth of July on the second. All right. Let's make do I have the right notes? Yep. Amen. All right, so here we go. I'm Pastor Scott. Uh, for those of you that might be Zooming with us, you didn't know who I was, who I is. Uh, Lydia, there's my other half. She's very patriotic. She's got her MAGA shirt on. Make America godly again. <laughs> Amen. And uh, so we stopped at uh, Tom Thumb this morning and picked up all those calorie-free, sugar-free snacks to go with your coffee. And so enjoy, enjoy. Uh, pastor's got a great word in the main service, and then we have a, a church picnic with lots of fun things to do, including uh, we uh, are showing... Uh, in the sanctuary about 15 minutes after the service, the movie The Jesus Revolution. And uh, that's the era Pastor and Tiz got saved in. And he knew some of the people that are represented in the movie and that kind of carried the initial uh, baton when all of that went down uh, years ago. And so thank, thanks be to God that you're here. What a good-looking group. There's power and victory in the room, and if you're watching by Zoom, we love you and thank you for joining us. We're in uh, Torah Study 39 this week, and it's an interesting study, and in for the first time that I can remember, uh, uh, the Torah study on Hukat and Balak were joined together into a double portion, and uh, uh, I went back in my notes uh, years and couldn't find when this had happened, so I believe God is going to do something special through this teaching, but especially in the way you view the power of God and uh, the power of Jesus' death and resurrection. Uh, there's so many things that you can teach in any given Torah study. When you combine two of them, my gosh, it's like uh, uh, a baker's dozen of themes. Uh, I gravitated to one of my favorite teachings, uh, and we're going to get into this today, uh, the mystery of the red heifer sacrifice. Uh, some of you may follow breaking Christian news, breaking Israel news, and uh, there's a red heifer now that was shipped uh, from Texas over to uh, Israel that fits some of the, so everybody's all amped up and very excited about that. At the very least, I mean, look, we don't need a temple and we don't need a red heifer sacrifice with an actual red heifer. We have the real thing. His name is Jesus, Yeshua. But at the same time, God gave it. He wants us to understand it. It wasn't just ritual that God gave. It wasn't just something stupid he gave the Jews to follow. Uh, what a bunch of idiots. How could they do it? Because God told them to. And so they've preserved a heritage, a legacy of faith and obedience going uh, all the way back to the days of Abraham. And, uh, 
And so today we'll, uh, we'll dig into this. And uh, so the, the commandment of the red heifer sacrifice is one of the most mysterious in all the Bible. Uh, uh, because it goes against a lot of what God established uh, for all the other sacrifices. But as we get into this, I believe you're going to walk away with some additional wisdom today. Some additional revelation knowledge today. And, and may it build in you and I some spiritual strength. Amen. Realizing uh, the height, the width, the depth, and the breadth of the love of God and what it means to be redeemed is embodied in this particular sacrifice. So how many of you uh, love all the blessings and benefits of God? Amen. Well, uh, that's what uh, we'll learn today. Most of us grew up uh, just understanding uh, Yeshua, Jesus, as the Passover lamb. And yes, amen, behold the Lamb of God. What we haven't really connected in Christianity, by and large, uh, maybe, maybe you were fortunate enough to be taught this, but Jesus is not only the Passover lamb, he's the Yom Kippur sacrifice that breaks every curse and releases every blessing. Yeah? He's the daily sacrifice. In morning, noon, and night, He's got us covered. By the power of the blood, He's got us covered. Sins are forgiven. Curses are broken. Blessings are released round the clock. That's the mindset we're trying to develop here. Amen? We're not humans having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. And as we get all of this rolling in our thought process, it makes life better. Who likes Mo better? But he's also, and this is all part of God's plan of redemption, we, we haven't really understood all the dimensions of God's plan of redemption uh, but he, Jesus, Yeshua, is our red heifer sacrifice. And in, in the book of Numbers, Numbers 19, uh, the whole chapter is dedicated to explaining uh, this sacrifice. I'll just read a few verses beginning in verse 1. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is a requirement of the Torah that the Lord has commanded. Tell the Israelites to bring you a red heifer without defect or blemish and that has never been under a yoke. Not an egg yoke, but the uh, yoke uh, that goes around the neck and shoulders uh, for the animals. Then give it to Eleazar the priest. It is to be taken outside the camp and slaughtered in his presence. Uh, then Eleazar the priest is to take some of the blood on his finger and sprinkle it seven times toward the front of the tent of the meeting. And while he watches, the heifer is to be burned, its hide, its flesh, its blood, its intestines. The priest is to take some of the cedar wood, the hyssop, the scarlet wool, and throw them onto the burning heifer. 
and after that, uh, the priest must wash his clothes, bathe himself with water. Uh, he may then come into the camp, but he will be ceremonially unclean till evening. Uh, the man who burns it must also wash his clothes, bathe with water, and he too will be unclean till evening. A man who is uh, clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer and put them in a ceremonial clean place outside the camp. They are to be kept by the Israeli community for use in the water of cleansing. It is for purification from sin. The man who gathers up the ashes of the heifer uh, must also wash his clothes, and he too will be unclean until evening. This will be a lasting ordinance, both for the Israelites and for the foreigner residing among them. And then uh, the chapter goes on to describe more of this uh, mysterious process. Uh, and you begin to see when you understand temple sacrifice how different it is from ever, everything else. The animal had to be at least three years old. And it was the only sacrifice specifically chosen by its red color. Amen. And then, then uh, uh, not only that, to find a red heifer with no blemish, no uh, imperfections in it, that was not an easy thing. Very rare. Not even a single white or black hair could be mixed in. Uh, it, and here, here's something, it had to be female. All the other sacrifices were male sacrifices. And no yoke, we read that, could be placed around its neck and on its shoulders. Uh, and it was the only sacrifice where the blood was not drained out, but rather burned completely. And then, uh, as uh, you might have pictured, the ashes were collected and they were made into a special mixture. They would combine living water from the pool of Siloam. Some of us were just at the pool of Siloam when we went on the Israel tour. That's the pool of the Messiah. This is where living waters, Ezekiel 36 talks about living waters, comes from the pool of Siloam. Jesus uh, put the mud on the man's eyes and said, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam so that your sight will be restored. And when he did what the master told him, guess what happened? A blind man can now see, and boy, did he have a story to tell. Amen. And so all of that happened, and they collected the ashes of the red heifer and created this mixture, and uh, it was uh, a, a special remedy for sin, uh, but also it was a purification method that God instituted at that time for those who came in contact with death. 
Now, this is where it gets really good because all of a sudden we're going to see, man, Jesus, I, I have forgotten all the ways that your redeeming blood is working on my behalf, all the way to help me walk in no fear and to walk overcoming even the fear of death and also death itself. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Thanks be to God who gives me victory over sin and death. So all of this is uh, telling us that God institutes this and said, look, this, is, this isn't something you're going to forget about. This is something that you're going to remember as, as long as there's a temple, we're going to have ashes of the red heifer and, uh, and on and on. And it's going to point us towards the work of the Messiah. That's the thing sometimes we forget about all the different sacrifices. God gave them not just for busy work, not because he wanted uh, uh, the Jewish people to be legalistic. Uh, Christians would never be legalistic. Why'd you wear that shirt? Because <laughs> I just wanted to wear the shirt. Do we have to have an argument? Why'd you paint the walls yellow? People can sit in a service and argue with the pastor the whole service. Just, I'm up in the TV room and I'm watching people's faces. And some people's faces are full of joy. They're on the edge of their seat. They're active learners, proactively engaging and, and trying to learn more and more. And other people are just... You know, choose ye this day how ye will act. As for me and my house, we're going to rejoice in the Lord always. All right, so back to the uh, lesson plan. Uh, this was the only sacrifice that took place outside the temple. All the other sacrifices took place on the brazen altar. You'd go into the tabernacle, then later into the temple. You enter his courts with praise and thanksgiving. Thanks be to God. Yeah, I hope that's how you entered into the church today, with praise and thanksgiving, a spirit of faith and expectation where you're saying, God, let this be the day of salvation in my life. Let me claim another level of blessing, another level of victory. Another, another level for me and my family, for our house, my loved ones, my extended family, my closest friends. In Jerusalem, this is where it took place. It, you know, they did it before in, in Shiloh, but... Uh, it took place in a forgotten and unknown location. Although I was reading this weekend, one particular rabbi seems to have identified the location of uh, the red heifer altar up on the slopes of the uh, above. Whoa! What time is it? Jesus is coming, repent! Amen. 
in, in temple times, uh, there was a, when, when they would sacrifice a red heifer, uh, they would march out the eastern gate, the gate of the Messiah, the golden gate. You've seen it uh, in pictures, perhaps. Uh, and it's all bricked up now. Uh, who was it? Was it Suleiman back in the 1500s that bricked it up? Because uh, he didn't believe in the Messiah, but just in case. Because <laughs> when Jesus comes back, guess what gate he's going to enter triumphantly from the Mount of Olives down and then through the eastern gate. So they conveniently put a cemetery out in front too, which deals with uh, some of this uh, 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 ceremonially unclean stuff we're talking about. But anyway, they would march out the eastern gate and there was a giant bridge over the valley there and it would lead right to the altar of the red heifer. And uh, 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 the uh, uh, ancient wisdom says that it was uh, from this location that you would, uh, you would be at the altar and you would face uh, the old city, you would face the temple, and from that vantage point, you could see over the, uh, the wall right into the temple. You could see the Holy of Holies. You could see the veil, the 60-foot veil that separated the holy and the outer court from the Holy of Holies. Uh, and look, I don't have time to, to teach this today, uh, but uh, this location of the red heifer uh, sacrifice and the altar, to me, it opened up a whole new set of possibilities on where Jesus was crucified. Uh, you know, we've been to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. We've been to the Protestant uh, uh, location up there uh, north of the Damascus Gate. Uh, but here's the unique thing. Uh, according to Matthew 25 and uh, Mark 15, uh, the site of the crucifixion uh, seems to depend on being able to see the temple uh, and the veil and the Holy of Holies. Because when you go in and study these texts, uh, both indicate that when the centurion saw all the events that were happening, just as Jesus is giving up the ghost, uh, uh, it appears that he sees the temple being, or the veil being rent. And it was rent from top to bottom to show that it was heaven that was the one doing this from top to bottom, not from bottom to top. Uh, and so at that moment, he, there's the earthquake, there's all the darkness, the thunder, the lightning, there's, uh, 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 you know, seeing the, the veil uh, being re uh, rent, and it caused the centurion to say, truly, this is the Son of God. Amen. So, born-again experience. Not only that, but we're also told that people that were there saw people being resurrected out of the tombs. Which, what a sight. That, if, if that didn't scare the bejeebers out of you. <laughs> 
Have an altar call right there. I don't know all what's going on, but Jesus is the man and the Son of God. So, yeah, um, and it's interesting when you go to, when you see the Mount of Olives, uh, uh, what's on a, a big part of the Mount of Olives? A cemetery. All the Jewish cemetery is right there on the Mount of Olives. So it, it just is an interesting side note to think, well, was Jesus uh, uh, born in some random place? Or maybe there was something uh, more to it. Uh, and uh, the something more to it is, could he have been possibly crucified right there where the red heifer sacrifice was offered up. And for me, I think, ah, you, you got to really give it that a good look because it probably worked that way. It's like, was Jesus born in a random place in Bethlehem? You ought, some of you have been in my teachings. You, you, we get to that sometimes around Christmas time. No, he was born where they birthed the temple lambs for sacrifice. And, uh, and so as the Passover, Lamb, he was birthed where Passover lambs were birthed. Ah, uh, yeah, it makes sense to me. So, yeah, uh, study that out. So, um, the, here's something interesting. We, we always want to criticize uh, the Jews for uh, being legalistic. I mean, you don't, I don't, but that's kind of has been the Christian mantra. Oh, all of that stuff is legalism. It's stupid ritualistic stuff. We've been set free from that. Uh, so unhitch yourself. That was the famous terminology of the big pastor down uh, in uh, the South who wrote a big book and created a big controversy that the Old Testament basically is worthless. And anybody that spends their time studying the Old Testament is wasting their time. You need to unhitch yourself from the Ten Commandments, unhitch yourself from the Old Testament, unhitch yourself from any of that Jewish stuff. Stuff, and uh, your, your uh, Christianity begins in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you go anywhere before that, you are a fool. Can you imagine a guy going on TV and saying all that stuff? Why are you cursing the Bible? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All Scripture. Genesis 1 to the, to the, uh, the maps in the back. So uh, I, this was uh, uh, written about the red heifer in Ju the Jewish virtual library. It's online. Uh, it says that the burning of the red heifer with its blood, the crimson that was combined with it, and the red color of the animal itself may allude to the power of the blood. To overcome the power of of death, which threatens both the sanctity and the existence of the Israelite camp. What a revelation that our Jewish brothers and sisters have access to. That the power of the blood of the red heifer, not Yeshua, but the red heifer has the power to overcome death. So, 
the idea here is that there's great blessing. There's great benefit embedded in this sacrifice. And it not only includes spiritual purity. Jesus, come into my life. Wash me clean of every sin. Purify my spirit, my soul, my body. Make me clean and give me power to overcome sin and death. And, and so... This tells us that death is an enemy. Okay? And any factor that leads to death is an enemy. Like, how about sickness and disease? Some Christians are still confused. Well, uh, uh, God's the author of sickness and disease. Well, if Jesus went about preaching, teaching, and healing all that were oppressed, why he, is he fighting against God? So we've got, got, our, got to get our theology. But maybe you grew up in a church where uh, uh, you can't expect. Don't get your hopes up. All that stuff died out when all the apostles died out. God doesn't do that anymore. Well, that can be, and then you come to a, a, a word of faith, a, a church like New Beginnings. We're believing God's word. We're believing he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But yet you got that thing lodged in your spirit. Man, you talk about spiritual warfare right between these two protrusions. Jesus came to give us access to the power of God all the way up to defeating death. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Spirit of sin, spirit of death, I bind and rebuke you. I will not die early. I will live a long, healthy, productive life with no debilitations, no dementia, no Alzheimer's. I bind and rebuke that how this is the Christian way. Well, at least it's supposed to be the Christian way. Well, why does your hip hurt? I bind that pain in the name of Jesus. Hip be healed. And see, that, that's the thing where people get tricked. Well, there's nothing you have to do. Well, you better, you better rebuke there's nothing I have to do business. That's garbage teaching. What do you mean? You better fight the good fight of faith. That's, that's doing something. It's speaking the word, speaking the word, speaking the word, speaking the word, working the word, working the word. I want to go back to the old church where all I did was sit there and... I praise God we now have the gift of eternal life. And if I have eternal life, that means the spirit of death is defeated in me. And you. And I have access to living a resurrected life. And boy, that's a sermon in itself. We'll get to that on uh, resurrection morning maybe. 
So what we're trying to get our minds around is that the Lord accomplished something far greater than what could be provided by an animal sacrifice, and he provided something far greater to you and I than what traditional religion will usually teach. And he's provided something far greater than you if we'll just dig into the Word. Amen? Now look, uh, Lydia and I and our dear friend from Seattle that's visiting, Miss Kim, uh, we, we grew up in the ministry together in Seattle as children's pastors. And one of the things we would love to do is show Hanna-Barbera Christian cartoons by Hanna-Barbera, the life of Moses, the life of Noah, and just various things. Uh, but, hey, gang, you're an adult now. You need a revelation more than Hanna-Barbera can give you. We'll start that out with the kids. <laughs> but you're a, you're a full-grown adult now. It's time to put away childish things. And especially as the days draw closer and the Antichrist is out there running wild, the spirit of the Antichrist crowd, the one nation under government crowd, you're going to worship government. Forget about worshiping God. Church is non-essential. Ever heard that? Yeah. That happened in America. And all the churches. That's why we brought Sean Foyd in for Unite the Light in October. Because he was the guy that told the government, not on my watch am I being quiet. If I don't praise him, even the rocks will. So he organized these gigantic praise and worship sessions on the beaches in California. And the government was just frothing to get their hands on this guy. But uh, he couldn't touch him. He was like Daniel in the lion's den. Can't touch this. MC Hammer. So we serve a Lord that's imparting that. But you got to have ears to hear. Got to have eyes to see. Got to be willing to put up your dukes on occasion. Devil. Yeah, take Pastor Tiz. You talk about a fighter, a trooper. Someone in God's army that's not going to take the doctor's report lying. No. She had all those hundred scriptures. She put them on. Uh, you can get those. They're uh, speaking the word, speaking the word, health and healing, speaking the word. Well, when's God going to do it? When are you going to open your mouth? And start speaking the word and working the word. Well, I just want somebody. I'm waiting for the guy to come from, uh, uh, you know, uh, and come and pray for me. Well, I want that uh, too. But you don't have to wait for someone else. Inside of you is a river of living water. The spirit of the living God is in you. So, yeah, we want all of the above, but... You know, if, there, if there's no one else coming, if the Calvary ain't coming, if John Wayne ain't coming, it don't matter because me and the Lord, we form a majority and I can't lose. Love never fails. Praise God. All right. In Hebrews 9, verse 12 
It talks about uh, the, uh, the work of the Lord where he entered the holiest place once and for all. The original temple and how it all was done is in heaven. It's the replica on earth. Everybody's wanting to build a new temple and sacrifice a red heifer. and I I don't think it's going to go down that way. Later on, there'll be a, but right now it'll be a tabernacle. You can set up a tabernacle in 20 minutes. And he entered not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood. Thus, setting people free forever. It's 4th of July, 2nd of July. We're celebrating freedom, celebrating America and the freedoms for which it stands. And uh, what a great message to be able to tap into that the power of the blood of Jesus sets you free from sin and death and everything else that follows along. Look, if sprinkling, verse 13, ceremonially unclean persons with the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a red heifer, if that restores their outward purity, then how much more the blood of the Messiah, who through the eternal Spirit, who offered himself to God as a sacrifice without blemish, will purify your conscience from all the works that lead to death so that we can serve the living God. See, what we don't realize is that in our minds, the things that we're always thinking about and talking about, it's almost like there's a trapeze, a pendulum in our minds. And on one side, it's the natural thinking. And, and the devil and circumstances and your best friends will get you to go th- thinking about everything through the natural lens. But Jesus is saying, I am the red heifer sacrifice. I came and shed my blood and fulfilled that sacrifice so that sin and everything associated with sin and even the wages of sin, which is death, now is under my feet. It's under my control, my authority, my power. I don't have to live in fear because of that. I don't have to tremble and wonder what God's will is for my life. I know He wants me to win. He created me to win. I am a winner and I will win. That's how we roll. And so he'll purify all those contrary thoughts and give you the option to cast down every thought that exalts itself against the Word of God. Wish our politicians would do more of that. (laughs) Cast down every law that exalts itself above the Bible. That's what this fight is all about. Are we going to have Baal on the throne? Are we going to have Ashtoreth on the the throne? Molech on the throne? Or are we going to have Jehovah on the throne? Yahweh. In, in Jewish wisdom, uh, they call this Hukat HaTorah, 
which means the decree of Torah. Uh, it's as if our Jewish brethren are looking at the red heifer as the heart of the whole Torah is contained in this mysterious sacrifice. And I believe it's true, right? Because hidden in here, you're talking about areas of salvation that m most churches will not tread on. You know, when it comes to things like death and disease, everybody gets a little bit uh, hands-off because I don't know how it's all going to play out. You don't have to be the one to manufacture how it all plays out. You just need to be God's conduit. Somebody speak faith. <laughs> Somebody speak the blessing. Somebody stand against the devil. Devil, I bind you. Tell you what. The last time I was in a hospital bed, I think I was in fifth grade. I haven't been to the hospital since fifth grade. A lot of that, I, you know, wasn't serving the Lord, but uh, must be something in the family DNA. Grandmama was praying for me. <laughs> I don't know how all that works. But I do know this, if, if I ever was to be in a hospital bed, I want somebody to come to my bedside speaking some faith with a revelation of the red heifer sacrifice, saying, spirit of death, spirit of disease, I rebuke you. I lay hands on my brother and I t say, be healed, be whole in Jesus' name. Right? That's who you want when the chips are down. You don't want to somebody come. Well, I don't know what God wants to do. My my uh, aunt had what you had, and she died. There's that pendulum, right? Purify us from that consciousness of everything has to be interpreted via the natural. Well, you are a supernatural being. You have a divine nature. And we need to reflect that. Yep. So, it's the crux of the Torah. Uh, that sacrifice cleanses and purifies and restores those that have been touched by death. And as a result, it's symbolic of the believer's victory over death. Death, where is your victory? Not here. Even if I die, I still win. With the stuff we use. And death is probably the most intense fear that most people have. It's the greatest enemy we're ever going to face. And it's just that fear and finality of death that the red heifer sacrifice begins to address. It's the perfect shadow and type of the Messiah. Jesus came to destroy, Hebrews 2, he came to destroy death and all the works of the devil. Yeah, come on. Yeah, so if you know somebody that's facing death, you know, Take a step of faith. Let your prayer be, you know what? I rebuke the spirit of death on your life. And, and, and especially early death. Remember, Pastor had said that. 
He had said that they were praying, praying this way, and then finally it just dawned on that there was early death in Tiz's side of the family. He said this from the pulpit. And, and he, so they began to rebuke the spirit of early death. Well, daddy died young, my brother died young, and uncle died young, and this guy died young, and only the good die young. No, that was Billy Joel. He, he wasn't talking about this. Yeah, and so all of a sudden we begin to see, man, I'm expanding what I can take authority over, and I have biblical background. I have every biblical right to be able to invoke that promise into my life and into anyone else's life. Come on. That's the walk of faith. The, the root meaning of the word hukat, which is this decree of the red heifer, means to chisel or engrave. To chisel or engrave. And I got to thinking about, well, what, what does that mean? Uh, and an engraved word cannot be simply erased. You can't get out your giant eraser and erase what's been chiseled in. What's been chiseled into your heart? What's been engraved into your heart? Amen? Is salvation engraved in your heart? Is being an overcomer engraved in your heart? Is the revelation that I can do all things through Jesus Christ, is that engraved in your heart? Is believers that lay hands on the sick and they will recover engraved in your heart? What other promises are engraved in your heart? Ain't no devil coming into my life and erasing all that God has done for me. There ain't no backsliding option. I already been there, done that, got the t-shirt and burned it. It's just nothing can separate us from the love of God. And when we know the love of God and our Father's a gracious Father, He's not a hard taskmaster. He's not looking to catch us doing something so He can throw the book at us. He sealed us with His love. And He said nothing will ever separate us. You may decide to take a wrong turn, but I'll always be there. You may walk 10,000 steps away, but it's only one step back. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. Got a few more minutes here. Romans 8, 2. The law, the Torah, of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. That's the red heifer sacrifice. Hebrews 2, 14. 
Since all his children have flesh and blood, so Jesus became human to fully identify with us. He did this so that he could experience death and annihilate the effects of the intimidating accuser who holds against us the power of death. By embracing death, Jesus sets free those who live their entire lives in the bondage of tormenting dread of death. Red heifer sacrifice. What does this mean? It, does, it means even if you're on your, quote, deathbed, it really isn't a deathbed. She's just sleeping. <laughs> you thought she was, I see her as sleeping. So, yeah, I mean, I, I crafted this prayer just thinking about this. And, and this is what I wrote. Just agree with me. Just receive this. Father God, thank you that sin and death have no dominion over me. Thank you. It's been defeated by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Father, I praise you. I am an overcomer in every area of life. I have the life of God in me. I have the resurrection power of the living God in me. I have abundant life in me. I have eternal life engraved on my heart. And it can never be erased or removed. I am completely set free. I am totally whole in every way. And I will cheerfully and powerfully and assertively serve the Lord for the rest of my life. Amen and amen. Give the Lord a praise if you agree with that. So... One of the, the mysteries of the red heifer, the ashes of the red heifer, is that they're used to cleanse a person who had contacted death. But it had the opposite effect on the priest who prepared uh, the sacrifice and prepared the ashes. We read a little of that and kind of hard to follow all of that, but the priest preparing the mixture was declared unclean. But the mixture that was put on, and you know, it wasn't like you, you needed a, a, just one drop of the blood of Jesus is enough. One little pinch of the red heifer ashes is enough. So it lasts a long time. But... Uh, it just goes to show you how far reaching the effects of this sacrifice have, the implications for you and I today, because everything's pointing to the work of the Messiah. And it finally dawned on me a while back, <clears throat> some of you may have heard me teach this before, about 2 Corinthians 5.21. If you have your Bible, go to 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, For he made him, the Lord Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Christ knew no sin, 
But for our sake, He was made sin. Sinners become sons of God because the Son of God became sin. The red heifer sacrifice. Right there out of 2 Corinthians 5.21. This is the greatest exchange in all of human history what's going on with this sacrifice and how Paul explains it to the Corinthians. It's showing us that Yeshua, who is sinless and blameless and innocent, allowed himself to be defiled by man, by sin, so that we in turn, and this includes John 3.16, all mankind in turn, who were defiled by sin, could be made pure, righteous, holy, and justified in the sight of God. I don't have to feel condemned anymore. I don't have to feel guilty anymore. I don't have to live my life broken down and beat down by all the issues of life. I've been redeemed. The power of the blood redeems me. It forgives every sin. It breaks every curse. It gives me abundant life, eternal life. It's engraved in my heart and my consciousness. And I live by that. I walk in that revelation. And so do you. Praise God. You've got to praise. Just a... as a kind of a, a, a postscript, uh, Maimonides, the great rabbi in, uh, you know, a thousand years ago, he taught there's only been nine total red heifers actually sacrificed. And it all stopped at 70 A.D. with the destruction of the temple. Uh, he explains that the tenth red heifer is going to be prepared by the Messiah himself. Nine red heifers were prepared from the time that the Jewish people were commanded this mitzvah until the second temple was destroyed. The first was prepared by Moses, the second by Ezra. Another seven were prepared from Ezra until the temple's destruction. The tenth heifer will be prepared by Moshiach. May he speedily be revealed. Amen. May it be the will of God. Maimonides. So the, the final red heifer, like the red heifer disappeared. Just like, you know, the, the little sea creature, the chilizon that they use to make the blue thread from Numbers 15 for the, uh, uh, the tallit, the zitzits. The blue is representative of the Messiah. Well, that disappeared. And now it's just suddenly reappeared. Uh, you know Sam uh, and Shmulek, Sam, his neighbor has done an extensive study on this and uh, through all the research, rabbinical approval, uh, believes to have found the actual blue that they used back in uh, temple times and ancient biblical times and gave pastor and then gave me too uh, the actual tallit they made using the ancient process to create the blue and because all of a sudden this this extinct 
sea creature suddenly reappears. Same with the red heifer. All of a sudden it disappears right about the time that the temple is destroyed. Uh, and there's, uh, we could teach why, but it's real, everything's shifting to Messiah. And now they're reappearing as a sign, especially to the Jewish people. I am doing something unique and powerful, and uh, it's a sign of the coming of the Messiah. And so we praise God today that every sin is forgiven, every curse is broken, every disease is healed, every blessing is released, and we can go into the 4th of July with this on our minds, that I have spiritual freedom, physical freedom, I have all kinds of financial freedom, I am blessed of the Lord and highly favored in Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a praise if you receive that.